Parkview Church, blessings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Wade. I'm one of your pastors. It's a joy to continue our series on the Ten Commandments. We're in Commandment 9, so we're almost done. Next week we'll finish our series on the Ten Commandments. Today we're exploring Commandment 9, which says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And as we turn to the Ten Commandments, remember what Thomas so helpfully, so simply showed us last week. Think of each commandment like a coin, right? You held up a quarter. The negative stamp is used as a positive impression. Negative stamp leads to a positive impression. So as we look at each negative command, most of the Ten Commandments are in the negative form. You shall not. As you more deeply reflect on them, we see a beautiful, positive vision of what life ought to look like under the grace of Jesus in this particular command. Last week, you shall not steal. The negative turned positive is that God gives generously, and we are called as his people to steward our times and talents and treasures generously as well. This week, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Looking at this command, what do we see? And this is the main point that we have to grasp together in our hearts and then live out in obedience in response to the mercy of Christ. It is this. God is the God who speaks the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And so we must be people who speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. In the New Testament, Ephesians 4, it says that we are called to speak the truth in love. In fact, this is the core of who God is. God is the God who speaks the truth to us in love. And therefore, as we are united to Jesus Christ by faith, filled with his Holy Spirit, we are called to be a people together at this church who speak the truth of Jesus to one another in love. That is what we are looking at together. So I already read commandment nine. It's one very simple sentence. So I thought what we would do for our passage reading this morning is to go to the New Testament. If you want to open your Bibles to Ephesians 4, I think Thomas referenced this last week, but Ephesians 4, we're going to begin with it, but then at the end we're kind of going to swing back around and more deeply explore it. Ephesians 4, 25 to 29 is what we might call the kind of New Testament equivalent passage of commandment 9 in the Old Testament. It is the positive vision for how commandment 9 ought to function in any healthy local church, in any healthy Christian. Commandment 9 ought to function this way, according to Ephesians 4. Apostle Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's trying to encourage them of what ministry looks like together under the Lord Jesus Christ. And here now, God's word from Ephesians 4. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, false witness, Let each of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, that it may give grace to those who hear. So let's pray for God's help as we meditate on the ninth commandment. And he instructs us together. Father, our greatest desire as we turn to your word is to encounter Jesus through the law by the Holy Spirit's power. We want to see Jesus, 
to know Jesus, to love Jesus. This is how we gain traction in actually obeying you. So, Father, help me come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ, first as a servant of your word, second, Lord, as a servant of these beloved people. Lord, please don't let me shrink back from speaking anything that would benefit them in Christ. So, Lord, please help us learn all that you teach, obey all that you command, and love all that you love for the sake of of Christ, in whom we pray, amen. Someone spoke falsely against me years ago. Let me tell you the story. It's my eighth grade year. It's my eighth grade graduation trip, in fact, okay? And we, my classmates, it was a smaller school. It was about mm, 13 of us. We hopped on a small bus, and we drove to, I grew up in Phoenix, so we drove to SeaWorld, SeaWorld in California, and there I was in eighth grade in all of my glorious awkwardness, standing on a bridge overlooking the SeaWorld river raft ride. You know what I'm talking about? Usually groups of families hop on one giant raft. It twirls in circles as everyone vomits and then gets drenched with, uh, with overflow of water from the, from the tide. So there I was on top of one of the bridges, and I saw someone in one of the rafts on the river raft ride that I thought, Look familiar. So I looked even closer at him, and sure enough, the guy stands up from his raft, points at me, and screams at me. Now, as a young kid in eighth grade, I thought, what is going on here? You know, I, it ends up I don't didn't know the guy at all. But as I look down at this guy, he screams at me, and I kind of, you know, it's like the, one of those bridges, you know, pass under, and you go outside, and you look over, and there he was, angry face, pointed finger, screaming at me. I was like, what is, what's going on here? Well, I was so confused about what's going on. Well, about 10 minutes later, a uh, SeaWorld police officer, I don't know if that's what they're called, you know what I'm talking about, one of those people that are there, SeaWorld, making sure the dolphins don't go crazy. And he pulled me aside, and he stated that the man... And he kind of put it down the walkway. He's like, that man is accusing you that you dumped water on him and his family. <laughs> now, first of all, the guy was on the river raft ride at SeaWorld. <laughs> Who cares if I dumped water on him? His whole family was already soaked, okay? That's the first thing. This needs to be clarified. Secondly, no. I did not throw water on him, unless for some reason it's been like, you know, hidden my subconscious, and I did. I, I, I just didn't do it. I just was so shocked and confused. Well, thirdly, and here's the point, that guy ruined the rest of my day. I mean, you have to imagine me as an eighth grader. The rest of the day, I'm sneaking around Shamu's large encasement thing. I'm ducking around the dolphin adventure land. I'm hiding in the penguin palace, or whatever they call those things, and all to make sure this guy never saw me again. This guy bore, bore false witness against me, his neighbor. He spoke lies against me, and it, it ruined my day. That's a silly story. But what if it wasn't my eighth grade graduation trip, but my career? And that guy spoke lies about me to destroy my reputation and the company I helped build. What if it was that guy on the witness stand, and his false claims landed me three decades in prison? We could go on and on with examples, but bearing false witness, speaking untruth about or to your neighbor is a serious problem because it can destroy people's lives who are made 
in the image of God and therefore valued and cherished by God. So here at Parkview Church, what God is calling us to become as his people is to be a community where we build one another up, not tear each other down, but build one another up in Christ by speaking the truth in love. We are going to see this in three ways from the ninth commandment, three parts, okay? We're going to see revelation, what the commandment shows us about God, teaches us about his character, revelation. Second, confrontation, we're going to see how, how easy it is to us to fail the ninth commandment, to not speak truth to our neighbor. And then third, transformation. Revelation, confrontation, and transformation. Revelation. What does it show us about God? The law and scripture is given to us by God to instruct us on who he is and how we are to live in response to who he is. It shows us the character of what he values, of what he loves. We've been seeing this over and over again, week after week in the Ten Commandments. The ninth commandment then, what does it teach us about who God is? Well, to bear false witness against your neighbor means to speak what is not accurate, what is not true about your neighbor. Now, this law has its first and primary application in the court of law, where a society filled with false witnessing against others ruins the ability of that society to be just and ordered well, to function properly. I mean, just think about People, maybe you've seen documentaries like this or you've read the news stories, right? People who are in prison for crimes that did not commit based on false charges in prison for decades after decades and finally released once they realized the false claims that were made against them. Again, we could go on with more and more examples, but this court of the law thing is so crucial in terms of bearing true witness. That's why in the witness stand they say, well, you promised to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Yet more broadly, the ninth commandment prohibits a culture of speaking falsely or unkindly to and about one another, to speak in a way that shames or harms another person's character or reputation. And so that's the negative. And so if we, like the coin, right, if we kind of flip the negative to the positive, here's what we see what God is like. The ninth commandment shows us that God is the trustworthy truth teller. God is the trustworthy truth teller. Psalm 19 gives us uh, over and over again a detailed picture of God's trustworthy speech. God's trustworthy word. His word is perfect without mistake. His word is sure, 100%, guaranteed, reliability all the time. His word is right, always doing good. His word is pure, without sin or dirty half-truths. His word is true, it says in Psalm 19. It's always accurate about what it speaks on. Numbers 23, 19 emphasizes this same point about God. It says this, God is not man that he should lie, or the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and he will not do it? Or has God spoken, or has God spoken and will he not fulfill it? God is faithful to keep his word. He's not a huckster. God's not a trickster. He's not a liar. He's not a manipulator. manipulator. God's not a dirty politician. God is trustworthy. We can trust God because he speaks, Parkview. God speaks the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. He is the truth-speaking God. And this is so important for us in our culture. Today, uh, many commentators would say that we're in a post-truth culture. 
meaning each individual person is able to define and express their own truth, right? We probably have seen this, heard this phrase before, or seen this phrase, right? I'm expressing my truth. Oprah Winfrey once said, what I know for sure is that speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we have. Truth for us has now become a personal preference. We speak my truth, my whole truth, nothing but my truth. Yet what this has caused is what one author calls a culture of confusion, where one person's truth is disqualified based on another person's truth as long as that person speaking their truth embraced the values of secular Western culture. And so herein lies what's so important to learn about who God is and why it's such a gift to know the God of the ninth commandment. He's the truth-telling God, and he's not a God of confusion. He reveals to us clearly his truth in his word of who he is, of who we are, and what he is doing to fix our broken lives, to fix our broken world, and to set us straight on his path of walking in holiness and devotion to him. Our God is a truth-speaking God, and we, therefore, as humans made in the image of this God, are to be truth-speakers to and about our neighbors. That's the first point. And this is the very point where things break down for us, don't they? Parkview, are you and I faithfully speaking the truth as we talk to our neighbors? This leads to our second main point, which is confrontation. Confrontation. If you look at the ninth commandment, which teaches us to care for our neighbor, to love our neighbor so much we're able to speak truth to them and about them, we see our fundamental problem, don't we? James 3 says it like this. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come cursing and blessing my brothers, Parkview Church. This should not be so. And yet it is so. I mean, have you ever wondered why it is that for so many of us, untrue words spoken against us still cause us deep pain and shame, though the years roll by? I mean, just think about the multitude of different ways that we break and forsake God's design and wisdom for us in the ninth commandment. I mean, culturally, kind of more broadly, how many people's careers have been ended due to false claims about their character? Or how many times a day do people project untruths about others on social media? Social media has basically become a platform to all get together and break the ninth commandment. In many ways. There's benefits to no social media. Hear me, hear me, okay? But you get what I'm saying, okay? Or how many young men and women have begun hating themselves because of terrible lives, lies spoken against them in their junior high or senior high? Or how many young children are suffering under the horrific burden of shame as their mother and father continue to berate them with untruths about their failures, about their disappointments, about how they're not measuring up? Well, this could go on and on. That's more broadly, but personally, right now, Parkview Church, where is the Holy Spirit 
identifying in your life where you have broken the ninth commandment. How often, Parkview, have we lied about another person's motives assuming we know why they done, they've done an action? When have we flattered someone publicly to their face only to disdain them privately behind their back? How many of us has it become a normal habit, a normal habit to speak about another person in demeaning and disrespectful ways when they are not present? How much of a normal routine has it become in our lives to complain and complain and complain about other people and their failures and their stupidity without ever cultivating a life of prayer and compassion for that person, asking the Lord to help you love them and to speak truth to them. Breaking the ninth commandment, my assumption is, has become so normalized in our day-to-day -day operations as humans in community that for most of us, we probably have never spent time Allowing the Holy Spirit to actually convict us. And my hope, one hope, not the primary hope. primary hope is that you would know Jesus Christ in the sermon. But first we have to be honest about our sin. And ways in which we've become so comfortable in disregarding and disobeying the Lord as we shame and harm our neighbor through the lies we speak about them or to them. So where is the Holy Spirit pointing out your failure to obey the Lord? Where is he bringing that conviction that is so important in us to be honest before the Lord and gain traction in obedience? Now, there are footnotes and subpoints to all of these points that I've just mentioned. And yes, there are, hear this, Parkview Church, there are and there should be in your life safe relational spaces and boundaries to have honest laments and unburdening of your heart about difficulties you have with other people in your lives. I'm not saying that you never, ever, ever, ever talk about someone when they're not present, but we must be careful that in this safe place, it happens to be in the context of someone who is committed to encouraging you to be obedient to the Lord Jesus and how you're relating to this person and helping you walk in integrity in your relationship with that person. So it should sound less like, I can't stand when she does this or he always does that. And can you believe that he said this? He's so stupid. It should be less of that and more of, hey friend, can you help me figure out how to respond when she criticizes me again. Can you please help me walk in wisdom when he does that thing again at work? And I've told him last week not to do it, and he does. Can you help me learn how best to relate to this person and to speak words of honor and care and confrontation, which is needed at different points in every relationship? But here's the deal, okay? Here's why. Here's why bearing false witness, Parkview Church, here's why speaking untruth, lying, all those kind of cluster of sins represented by the ninth commandment, here's why they're so wrong. Because in our false witness against others, and in our secrets of lying or gossip and dishonesty, we are reflecting Satan 
and his way of doing things more than our heavenly father of love and mercy. Jesus says in John 8, Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. Satan from the first day has been a ninth commandment breaker. Ever since the garden of Eden and every day since, Satan comes to us with the question, did God really say did, did, did God actually say it? Can God be trusted? Can God, can your God actually speak the truth? From the first, Satan has been bearing false witness about God and neighbors. And so every lie and every false witness that we participate in is a sabotage on the trustworthy character of God and looks more like Satan than it does our Lord, whom we are called to worship and emulate in our speech. Friends, we have a deep-rooted problem in our hearts. And we need help. And we need to repent. And so I wonder right now, what area of your life is the Lord, Parkview Church, where is the Lord calling you to repent? Think about that for just a moment here. Where do you need to honestly repent before the Lord of how you've been breaking the ninth commandment? Or maybe it's become so normalized for you that it's hard for you to see yourself clearly. Well, this is the very point where we need transformation. This is why we need Jesus Christ. And I want to linger here, this is the third point, I want to linger here for a moment and reflect on who Jesus is, especially from the Gospel of John. One of the most fascinating, beautiful themes in the Gospel of John is how Jesus is the truth. In John 1, verse 14, what does it say? The, the Word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus, full of grace and truth. John 5, it says that John the Baptist came as one who bears witness. Do you hear that? He bears witness to the truth the truth about Jesus Christ. John 14, Jesus himself says, I am the truth. In John 18, Jesus says, for this purpose I have come into the world. This is why I've come, to bear witness to the truth. So according to the testimony of Scripture, Jesus Christ is the truth-telling God. He alone is able to honestly and accurately speak the truth in a world of lies and deception under the power of Satan. Yet have you ever wondered, Parkview, how it is exactly that the trustworthy, truth-speaking, Jesus-speaking, the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, how is it that this truth-speaking Jesus was crucified? Have you ever given pause to think about it exactly. It's because wicked people, influenced by Satan and carried by their sin, bore false witness against Jesus, their neighbor. Matthew 26 says it like this. Now the chief priests and whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death, but they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. Do you see the paradox at work here? The repeated witness of the Gospels is that Jesus Christ is the truth. He is the speak, 
truth-speaking God who has spoken only and always what is true about God and his neighbor. And yet, at the end of his life, this truth-speaking Jesus, everyone is speaking falsely against him. And yet there he is, silent before his accusers, willing to go to the cross of false accusation, though he himself is innocent. Why? Why? Because at the cross of Christ, the place of false accusation, God bears true proclamation, true witness to the whole world. That this crucified Jesus of Nazareth, this crucified son, is the truth for the world to set them free from all the lies and deception under the power of Satan and opposed to God. At the cross of Christ, God to the world speaks the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to set people free. We might say it like this, in every relationship, we all know this to be true. Honest truth-telling is the key for growth and change. Well, here is Jesus Christ on the cross speaking the truth about you and me. Do you know what he's saying? He says two things simultaneously. First, your sin is horrifying and deserves judgment. And at the very same time, Jesus says, my eternal love is poured out for you. The cross of Jesus Christ is the truest, most reliable word spoken to who we actually are. It is Jesus speaking truth to his neighbors. Have you ever thought of it that way? And what he says about you is, yes, your sin is real and it deserves judgment. And yet, my love and mercy and forgiveness is greater. And I am willing and delighted to take that judgment upon myself. This is, Parkview Church, the gospel truth of Jesus Christ that has ultimate power to set us free, to become people. As we get to know this Jesus, if you know this is who Jesus is, who out of love for you has spoken truth to you, how can we not become people who speak the truth of Jesus to our neighbors in love? So if you're here today and you've not yet embraced the truth of Jesus Christ, you would not claim to be a Christian, well, first you need to be honest and truthful to the Lord that your sin is real, that you have offended him by your sin. At the very same time, you must be willing to receive the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. The truth of the gospel is that, yes, our sins are many, but the mercy of Jesus Christ is more. And maybe for some of you today, you are right now believing the lie that your sin, for whatever reason, has disqualified you from the love and mercy of God and the truth of the gospel, dear friend, the truth of Jesus is his forever and always love given to you through his death and resurrection. So if we're a church that's been transformed by the truth-telling, the truth-speaking Christ, what would that look like 
all together as a community? What would it look like for us if we started getting traction in obeying the ninth commandment to be people who are speaking the truth of Jesus in love? And I want to look at two E's, okay? And this, we'll close our time with this, okay? The first is a culture of evangelism. And second, a culture of encouragement. Culture of evangelism first. Isn't it fascinating? The ninth commandment negatively says you must not bear false witness against your neighbor. But isn't therefore evangelism the call for every and any Christian to bear true witness to their neighbor about Jesus Christ? And so evangelism is an, is an overflow of obedience to the ninth commandment because we learn to continue to speak truth about Jesus. And what is this gospel truth? We sung about it. Jesus, your mercy, that song, lovely song about the gospel. Praise the king who bore my sin, took my place when I stood condemned. That's the gospel. Christ being condemned for my sin so I might have a right relationship with God. This is the gospel we are bringing to our coworkers, to our family members, and to our neighbors to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth of Christ. And therefore, to go a level deeper in our evangelism, it means that there are certain aspects of the gospel, if we're going to speak the whole truth, that we must be really clear on as Christians. And as a church, we must never water these down and give these up. Yes, the truth about sin. The whole truth, part of the God is clarifying sin, that sin is real and dangerous and dishonoring of God. Secondly, second truth is to be clear about God's judgment, that God is real and he is a holy God and, and he judges sin. And yet finally and fully, the whole truth of the gospel that we must speak to our neighbors is the truth that Christ alone is the only way to have a right relationship with God. No matter if you're a good person or a bad person, you have to become a new person in Jesus Christ. That is the offer of the gospel that we are supposed to speak in love. Very practically, okay, here's one way that my lovely wife Claire is seeking to do this. She has a friend um, who is currently exploring next steps about the Christian faith, not yet a Christian. And so Claire's decided, okay, let's, let's read through the Gospel of John together once a week. And so they're meeting over Zoom. This person's a few states away. And so they're reading through the Gospel of John. And so here's one simple step in a culture of evangelism in obedience to the ninth commandment, bearing true witness to our neighbor about Christ. Here's one thing we could all do. In the next two months, what if we all took a risk with our non-Christian friend, co-worker, neighbor, family member, whoever it is, and simply ask the following question. Would you be willing, friend I love, neighbor I love, whoever it is. Maybe you don't say those words, but you know what I'm saying, okay? You love them out of compassion for them. You built the relationship. Okay, great. What if we all took a risk together and each of us committed to say, would you be willing to read the gospel of John with me? Maybe they just reject it and say, no thanks, not for me. But maybe they'll accept that. And here's what I'm trying to get at. Let the gospel of John, let G the truth of Jesus walk off the pages of the gospel into your friend's heart, into your family member's heart. Don't feel the pressure that you've got to have this incredibly complex theology of the gospel. Just open a gospel, and as one pastor says, let the gospel speak the gospel about Jesus. We could all do that. What's, what's one friend, one coworker, one neighbor, we could all in the next two to three months ask, hey, would you be willing to read about Jesus with me from the Bible? See what happens. Second and, and finally is this, a culture of encouragement. Christ is our truth-speaking Lord, and he has spoken the truth in love in order to build us up, and therefore we are commanded to do the same. Apostle Paul 
We already read Ephesians 4, right? What does it say? Therefore, laying aside false witness, falsehood, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are all members one of another. Speak truth to his neighbor because we're members, because we're part of the same family. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is good for building up, to give grace to those who hear. We are called in the local church to speak words that build others up. According to God's word, a healthy, growing church is filled with normal Christian people. You and me, who out of a burden for one another's growth in Christ, we take responsibility to speak the truth of Jesus to one another because we love each other. Out of love for one another as members in this church Parkview family, we are called to speak, build each other up by speaking the truth of Jesus to one another in love. Do you know right now there are people in this room who are suffocating in their regrets and shame and sin and suffering and Satan is assaulting them with discouragement and lies and lies and more discouragement. And the Lord Jesus Christ is calling you, Parkview Church, to speak his good news to them in their pain and agony and defeat. Jesus, we might say, has put his truthful word on your lips to speak to your brother and sister in Christ to build them up in the Lord. And just imagine together if we all went to the cancer unit at the U of I. And as we arrived on the cancer ward... The doctors came up to us and said, this is amazing. We've never seen anything like this before. All the patients have been cured of cancer this morning. I mean, the cancer, it's, it's all gone and all the patients, patients, this is, this is such good news. We, we gotta tell the patients. But, but then imagine if the doctors turned around, the doctors, they themselves who were responsible for the cure in so many ways, they then turned to us, ordinary, mundane, average us, and said, we want you to speak this news to all of the patients. What would we do? We'd run like crazy to every room, and we'd say, it's gone. The cancer is gone. The disease is, is over. You're, you're healed. You're, you're free. And maybe some patients, right, they might doubt it. They might feel it's not true. The pain has been so terrible for so long. It's hard for them to believe. They feel so discouraged. But what would we say to them? We'd say, no, 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 yeah, okay, but, but, but listen, listen, the, the, the doctor, I'm speaking the trustworthy word of the doctor who knows what he's talking about. Right now, Parkview Church, we have friends who are struggling with sin, battling doubts and depression, assaulted by fears and lies, but Christ, the doctor, has come with the cure in his gospel, and he has come with the words on your lips to speak to your tr struggling brother or sister in Christ. It's gone. Your sin's erased. That, that the comfort of Christ is there for you in your suffering. That all the fears and lies have come with the encouragement, the true word of encouragement in the Lord Jesus. The cancer is gone. Christ is risen. The Father truly loves us. We have good news to speak to one another. We can sow easily feel so discouraged all the time. And that Satan's number one strategy in this church, his number one strategy, is to consistently make us feel miserable as Christians. And we are given as gifts to one another to speak the life-giving, free truth 
of Jesus Christ to one another. Parview, this is what all of us have been called to. I mean, think about your parenting. This is what parenting is at its core, is as your beloved daughter or son is struggling, you come to them with good news about the mercy of Christ. This is what friendship is all about at its core. Friendship in this church is about speaking over and over again about Jesus because it's so easy to forget that he actually loves us. This is what it means to be a leader in this church. If you are an elder, a deacon, a pastor, a staff member, any type of spiritual leadership, this is how our church will move forward in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ in response to the ninth commandment filled by his spirit. We will become, from our lips, it begins with leadership, that as we see these beloved, wonderful, dear, amazing saints, and as they are afflicted and challenged with all sorts of difficulties and sins and sufferings, we have been given to them by the Lord to speak his word of truth in love. So Parkview Church, who is one person, one person here today in the next 24 hours, you could phone call, you could text message, you could send an email. Maybe it's someone that's really discouraged right now and the Lord right now is bringing them to mind. What is one thing currently that you're learning about Jesus that you could tell this struggling brother or sister in Christ? This is normal Christianity. This is how this church by the power of the Holy Spirit, moves forward together, speaking the truth to our neighbor in love. Let's pray. Father, the cancer is gone. We are free through the truth of Jesus Christ. And you have given this good news, this word to us to speak to one another, Lord. Yes, to our non-Christian friends who have yet to embrace Christ. Yes, there is gospel truth to be speaking to them. I pray that we'd have heart to do it, Lord. And yet, we pray in an even more deeper way that we'd become the type of beautiful community. We'd look across the seats here in the sanctuary and we take responsibility to encourage one another, build each other up by speaking truths about Jesus as we face difficulties and despair and discouragement and sin, Lord. We desperately need this. So come by your Holy Spirit. Revive us, O Lord, we pray for your glory. Amen.